The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. When do you throw your hands in the air and say, that's it, enough is enough. I can't give anymore, I don't care anymore, I'm not gonna do anymore, I've had it. You know that song, like, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. In essence, what is your that that you won't do? I'm certain every one of you have had a moment where you've just like, that's it. I've had it. Enough is enough. The other day, I was repairing a, a barnwood shelf that I handmade for one of my daughters. I had put it on the wall. They were using it to display their little trinkets. And our three-year-old decided to use it as a pull-up bar and literally ripped it out of the wall. And so now I had to repair it. And so I'm in the room. Uh, This time I anchored it to the two-by-fours and uh, I'm patching the holes in the wall. And all three of our boys are running in the room. They're trying to grab my tools. They're trying to, daddy, let me help. You know, they want to help spackle. They want to help paint. They got my you know, paintbrush. And, and then they're literally asking me, daddy, can we do this? Daddy, can we do that? Can you do this? And I'm like, that's it. Enough. Stop it. No. Right? Like I hit the breaking point. Like you guys are destroying the house, tearing things apart. Like I know some of you think we need counseling, but you know, like, Every parent gets this. Like you get to the point where you've had it. Maybe that's in a relationship, in your marriage, in your workplace, with a neighbor, with a coworker, a colleague, a classmate. I don't know, but I know. Maybe, maybe for you, it's with people online. It's regarding politics. It's regarding some social issue. And you're like, that's it. I can't take it. And in our social media-driven culture, you have the ability to put on the appearance of caring without actually caring. You can put on the appearance of love without loving. I mean, you can make it look like you care. You can make it look like you have a loving family. But after the photo and after the edit, it's not nearly as good as it appears to be. And so I want to bring you to a story uh, in the early church, uh, a story I've actually, I don't think I've ever preached on this before, or if I have, it was a long time ago. It's found in the Bible, in the book of Acts. It's the story of a couple who tries to put on the appearance of love and selflessness and generosity, but they're lying. So it's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. It's found in the book of Acts chapter five. Let me give you a little more context. Uh, At this stage in the er the very beginning of the church, uh, they were trying to help anybody and everybody they could who is desperate and poor, including people within the church. And so what they would do is some people would sell their lands or sell sell their homes and then give it to the church. And then the, the church would use it to meet real needs in a real way, including those within it. And if you gave everything to the church, then you could, you know, benefit from that uh, community pot. And, and so Ananias and Sapphira, they, they do this trick 
They sell a piece of land and the, they put on the appearance that they're giving all of the money to the church so that they could benefit from the community pot, except they hold back a portion of the profit so they can both live off the profit and live off the community pot. So they come in. The first one that shows up is Ananias. And uh, he comes to the church and he's gonna give this money and he's putting on appearances. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and you have kept, for your, kept back for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before you sold? And after you sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. He said, the key here is that you're trying to be deceptive you're lying about your giving. Now, this would be a really good moment for me to pause and just invite you to give right now. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, I, I, the, this moment is not a giving moment. In fact, just a few uh, short time later, his wife, Sapphira, comes in and Peter challenges her. Did you sell the land for this amount of money? Meaning the amount of money you're giving and you're claiming is the full amount. She goes, oh yeah, absolutely. And then boom, she drops dead. Now the, the issue is not that I, I don't think God goes around striking people dead who lie about their giving. It was this moment where in the earliest, the earliest stages of the church, God was calling out lying. And the deceit of putting on the appearance of looking generous while really being greedy. So what reverses this selfishness? Early after this moment, the church and the community around them were filled with both fear and fascination. Fear of, oh wow, there is a real God and he gives real consequences for people who lie to him. Fascination. Look at this church where, where people would give everything to care for the poor, people who would do anything to, to meet the needs of others. So what reverses this kind of selfishness that tries to keep up the appearance of generosity while being greedy, keeps up the, tries to keep the appearance of love while not actually loving? Well, let's go back to what Jesus said. What reverses that? Well, Jesus, uh, when he's talking about uh, his death and his resurrection. He's talking about him leaving. He said, very truly, this is John chapter 14, verse 12. He said, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. When people believe in me, they're gonna do the things I've done. And you'll do even greater things than these. In essence, what Jesus was saying was, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm just getting started. What you've seen me do, I'm gonna do even greater things than these through you. Meaning this, the greater is not that we will do um, greater quality miracles than Jesus as if we're comparing ourselves with Jesus, but there'll be a greater quantity of miracles of what Jesus already did. There'll be Whatever Jesus was doing, we will get the privilege of doing it at a greater level. And so what was Jesus doing? One of the keys that Jesus did was he loved. 
In, in fact, just an, a, a verse later in John chapter 14, verse 15, he said, if you love me, keep my commands. Well, what's the key command Jesus is talking about? Well, jump one chapter later, and he said, this is my command, love each other. The command I give you is this, that you love one another. That, that's it. it it's, a, it's an ethic of love. The, the, gra- the great thing Jesus did was he brought the love of God to earth and then lived that out. Now, I want to I bring something really pivotal because what I want to do is jump back into the story of the early church. In order to do that, you got to go to the book of Acts, where the author Luke, who is the, uh, uh, an outsider to Judaism and Christianity, he sees the way Christians are living. He's attracted to that. He's one of those that was fascinated by the early church, uh, began to investigate the life teachings, death and resurrection of Jesus, became persuaded that Jesus is who he said he was, and he became a follower of Jesus. He began to become part of the church, and then he wrote a two-volume set about the life of Jesus called the Gospel of Luke and the early church called the Book of Acts. So Luke is looking at this uh, as an eyewitness and, and having investigated the eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus, and he writes the story of the early church. Interestingly, in the book of Acts, he never once uses the word love, even though love is the primary command that Jesus gave. Why? Because the book of Acts is not about telling people love, but showing them love. He goes, this is what love does. Acts chapter four, verse 32 through 35. All the believers were in one heart and one mind. They were unified, loving. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but shared everything they had, loving generosity. With great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They proclaimed the love of God. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need, loving generosity. And so here's the key. The greater thing that Jesus was speaking about, one of the greater things that he was speaking about that we would do is that we would love the way Jesus loved and we would live the way Jesus lived. And it's not that we say, I love you. It's that love does What does love do? The most remarkable attribute of love is love gives. That's it, love gives. What you see in this passage, what Ananias and Sapphira were trying to put on the appearance of doing, love gives. They were lying, they were really greedy, but they were trying to mimic this early group of Christians who gave. In love, they gave. Why do you and I struggle with this? Why do we get to the point where we throw up our hands in the air and say enough is enough? Because our love has limits. Our love can only give so much. Why? Because inside of us, there is a spiritual corrupting force that goes against our love. It it perverts love into becoming selfish rather than selfless. It perverts love so that our love becomes greedy rather than generous. It becomes about us rather than about others. It becomes about our desires rather than meeting the needs of others. Why? Because there's a spiritual corruption inside of us called sin. Sin separates us from relationship with God and sets us on a life course toward selfishness. 
sin-corrupted love. And so our love has limits. And so we try to do love in our own strength. We try to muster up enough love. And then we get to a breaking point where you go, that's it. I can't do it anymore. And some of you, you've literally said, I, I don't love you anymore. I can't love them. Enough is enough. Maybe, maybe you look back and you're like, I never loved them. Because that love was about an emotion. That love was about what you were getting out of it. I know this is sensitive and I know it can hurt. But listen to me. What we're evaluating when we think about that kind of love is what I get. How does it meet my needs? And then we're trying to drive our own capacity to love. Sin. And sin sets us on a life course of ruin far from God, the source of love, headed toward doing it in our own strength, which, which always runs dry. And then we're headed to a judgment far from God and God's love. But God. You know, when, when you look at the story of God and his creation, God made everything perfect. He created a beautiful world where we could enjoy his love, but his creation rejected God, disobeyed God, and did what they wanted. Ruined the whole thing. And God could have thrown his hands in the air and said, enough is enough. He could have taken the whole creation, just crumpled it up and thrown it away and started over. But that's not God and that's not how he loves. No, he loved us so much that rather than destroying us and discarding us, he gave love. And in the generosity of his love, he came to earth, became one of us to take our punishment on himself. He absorbed our shame and guilt. When Jesus died on the cross, he was taking on the judgment we deserve. He was absorbing the shame, the guilt we face. He took on our eternal death sentence that when he died, he died once for all. He demonstrated his love in this way, that while we were of no use whatsoever toward him, to him, he gave his life in sacrificial death for us. That's love. So Jesus gives his life, but Jesus not only died for us, he rose again, victorious over the power of sin. He victorious over the judgment of sin in death, offering us eternal life so that anyone who believes in Jesus can be both forgiven and given new and forever life. That's right. Love both forgives and gives. And so God offers you new and forever life. So any of us who are trying to strong arm love in your life right now, or any of you who, you know, you've had it. You feel like you can't take it. Maybe you've done religion. Maybe you've done church. But have you had relationship with Jesus? Have you encountered the love of God? Here's what I want you to know, very simply. Jesus loves you. And you can receive that right now through faith in Jesus. And if you're making that commitment, you're making that decision to receive the love of God, would you say yes to Jesus and then let us know. You can scan the QR code that's on the screen and fill out that form and just let us know you're making that commitment. Why? Because we wanna follow up with you. We wanna encourage you and we wanna say welcome home. Welcome home to the family of God where now you can begin this new journey and this new relationship in the love of God. Here's what happens. When you are loved by God, you love others. Loved people love people. God's love fills, then spills. So what is the ethic of Christianity? It's the way of Jesus. 
Jesus' way of love is to value someone else's life as worth more than your own. It's what transforms every parent's life, where maybe you were selfish before you became a parent. And unless you are pathologically narcissistic, when you become a parent, you can't help but begin to shift toward loving your child more and valuing your child's life more than you value yourself. And this is played out in the news over and over and heroic stories over and over how parents give selflessly to their children, sometimes even at the cost of their own life. That's the Christian ethic. This is what God did. Jesus came to earth. He valued our lives as worth more than his own. And so he gave selflessly and sacrificially for us. And when you and I take on that kind of love, when we are filled with that kind of love, that love spills out of us that we begin to value others' lives as worth more than our own, and we begin to give selflessly and sacrificially. In Acts chapter 4, verse 33 and 34, uh, the author writes it this way, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Why? Because they gave selflessly. Love gives selflessly. Whether I say I love you or not, my love that gives selflessly demonstrates that love. God demonstrated his love by giving his one and only son in sacrificial death. The the word that the author uses is God's grace was so powerfully at work among them. The word grace is God's generosity giving us his riches, God's generosity on display. And so it was God's generosity at work in them that caused them to become generous. Love gives selflessly. Love doesn't give selfishly with the motive of getting back. It's selfless. It's saying, I'm giving my best no matter what I get back. Love gives selflessly. And so the the individuals within the church, they were coming, they were giving, they were being generous. It was equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. They were living in in a time of economic the economic roller coaster ride of feast and famine. They were living under threat and oppression. Maybe it felt a lot, meaning what we're feeling is a little glimpse of what they were going through. And so, you know, you, maybe your life is living the, the uh, economic roller coaster of feast and famine. I know that in this time of recession, things seem crazy, that when you think about giving selflessly, to and through the church, you're not necessarily giving out of abundance. Some of you are. Some of you are prospering. Your business is going great or your finances are going great. Thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Would you give out of your abundance and maybe prayerfully consider how you can give above and beyond to make up where others cannot give above and beyond? But many of you are giving or are invited to give out of your own lack. I mean, in your need, you give to and through the church. Why, why do we give? Because we believe in the principle of sacrificial generosity motivated by love. That's the principle. And you see it from the very beginning of the Bible through the very end of the Bible, sacrificial generosity. And we follow the pattern of tithing. Tithing is setting aside 10% of your increase or your income to God 
by giving to the church. So can I encourage you, would you prayerfully consider how you can love by giving selflessly? Maybe if you've never given, would you start to give? Maybe for you, you've given, but you haven't been giving a tithe. Would you examine your own heart and say, how can I begin to give to God in and through the church. We, I used to feel almost apologetic about this. Now I don't because I know that the greatest investment you could ever make is to and through the church. Because when you give to and through the church, you're not just giving to an organization. You're not just giving to a nonprofit. You're not just making a difference. You're making a difference for eternity. You're giving to God. You're, you're giving back in response to God's generosity. You're responding in generosity. And that generosity, here's what happens. Uh, when, you, when you give to any other organization, you're giving your gift. And it's, it's, you know, whatever best they can do with that gift. But when you give to the church, God takes your gift. It, it goes into his hands and God does what only God can do. Meaning he can compound your gift. He can, he can make it something that matters for eternity. He can turn a meager gift into a supernatural gift. This is why when Jesus was watching the different people giving, he said that the woman who gave the two mites, the two pennies, gave more than anyone else because she gave her all. God can take two pennies and turn it into something abundant because he's he, he receives the all gift and does all with it. And so can I just encourage you to prayerfully consider uh, not just giving, but giving a tithe and maybe giving above and beyond. Now, let me say this. Love gives selflessly. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Love is expensive. It's expensive because of this reason. Love is costly. Not just because it costs you money. Love is costly because it will cost you, you. What love invites us to give is not just sacrificial financially, but love invites us to give ourselves jump back into the story. We're just going to jump back in. After the story of Ananias and Sapphira, here's kind of the, again, a recap of what's happening in the early church. Verse 15, as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed, meaning the early church, the pastors and the leaders, they were helping the sick. They were feeding the hungry. They were caring for the hurting. Like there was this active involvement in the community where they were meeting real needs in a real way and it was changing lives. Love gives when it's messy. Love is messy and it gets messy. Because they love Jesus, they were willing to allow the love of Jesus to get involved in the messiest situations in people's lives. When God's love is at work in your life and heart, you can't help but get involved in the needs and the hurts and the pains of the people immediately around you and those you pass by, those you see in a grocery store, those in your workplace. God's love will compel you to get involved in the messiest situations. When tears are messy, and someone's story is messy, 
And maybe you're in a messy situation right now. I want you to know that God loves you. God is for you. God is not afraid of you. He's not embarrassed by you. God wants to be involved in the messiest situation in your life. And and so he invites us to get involved in that messiness. Whatever needs, whatever crisis, whatever pain you see around you, maybe God is tapping you to step up and get involved in that. Remember, what is the Christian ethic on love? Jesus' way of love is to value someone else's life as worth more than your own. You value others. And so you get involved in their lives. You you show up. You're present. You pray for them. You care for them. You support them. You love them by what you do. And love prays. Love gives. Love cares. Love Um, shows up, love is present and involved and um, love actively brings healing and hope to the most desperate situations. What did Jesus say? He said this, um, if you love me, keep my commands. Okay, if I love Jesus, I'm gonna do what he commanded us to do. What did he command us to do? This is my command, love one another, love each other. If I love Jesus, I will love others. Loved people love people. I'm loved by God, therefore I love others. You you know what really this indicates is often as you get involved in the church, as you become a Christian, you begin to grow in your faith. What does it mean to grow in your faith? Meaning what does it mean to become a mature Christian? This is it. Love is true Christian Maturity. Maturity in the Christian faith is not how much you know, but how much you love. It's not information, meaning I have memorized more of the Bible. I know more about the Bible. I know more about the church. It's not memorizing for information. It's a transformation that comes through love. I demonstrate selfless love. Selfless love is the greatest mark of Christian maturity. It's not how often you come to church. It's not how much, how involved you are in the church. It's not what you do in the church. It's not even how much you give, right? It's selfless love. And when you love selflessly, love does, right? It's the motivation of why you serve. It's the motivation of why I'm actively involved and attending. And selfless love is the mark of Christianity. Selfless love, what what does it do? Selfless love forgives quickly, serves sacrificially, endures suffering joyfully. Selfless love hurts without revenge. Selfless love gives generously, walks in humility, speaks peacefully, and stays focused on eternity. How much are you growing in selfless love? Have you become more mature as a Christian by living out selfless love? Or are you trying to demonstrate your Christian maturity by, uh, you know, the way you, you know, I mean, the way you put on religion or how involved you are or a position or anything else that is not marked by selfless love? That's just appearances. That's an Ananias and Sapphira route. Let's keep our focus 
on selfless love. Selfless love helps us become a more mature Christian. And when you grow in Christian maturity, you grow in selfless generosity. Selfless love produces selfless generosity. Let's live this out. In what way is God stirring you toward greater selfless love? Love gives selflessly. Love gets involved in the messy stuff. And love is the mark of true maturity. I'll take a moment right now and just give you a space. I'm hoping that as I spoke, something else was speaking to your heart. Believing the Holy Spirit can stir your heart. Maybe reminding someone, some of you of the commitment you've made to love. Maybe challenging some of you not to give up on loving well. Stirring others of you to get involved in the messy stuff. Maybe many of you to step up in loving generously. So would you take a moment right now? We're gonna prepare to go into a song. But if you would just prepare your heart first, maybe some of you, you, you need someone to pray with you. If you're joining us online, there's a pastor that would love to pray with you online. We have a prayer team that's available on either side of the platform here in our Hagerstown campus that would love to pray with you. I wanna invite you, receive prayer. But also, would you just open your heart to listen to God? What, what does God's Holy Spirit wanna speak to you right now? What's one step, what one commitment can you make today in a response to this message to love selflessly? Can I invite you just to pause for a moment and pray as you prepare to join us in this song? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.